our passage this morning, uh, two passages actually, uh, Hebrews 11 and Genesis 22. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I, will, I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I, sh and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And uh, we continue in our sermon series through Hebrews, the Hall of Faith. <clears throat> and for me, it's the last time I'll be preaching here until about August. Um, I'm going to our denomination's General Assembly um, week after next and then into a six-week time away from the pulpit, but I leave you in this chapter in good hands, right? Between Assistant Pastor Charles McKnight and our interns here at Christ Central Church, God is going to use these young men to feed you God's Word just like He uses me. And I know and believe that to be the truth, and you will that much more 
as you come and sit under their preaching for a season. It's good for me to step away, not only to rest and vacate, but to intentionally grow in areas in my spiritual and vocational life. Um, It's necessary for me to be the best pastor for you and at the same time a better husband and father and man. But with that said, today we will continue looking at the faith of Abraham and what I would describe as the faith to love and loose. The faith to love and loose. We've been following the, the faith story of Abraham the last couple of sermons, and we've learned that God made a promise to Abraham thousands of years ago that he and his barren wife, Sarah, them be almost, you know, closer to 100 years old, that they would be a great nation, that they would produce a great nation that would go into a promised land as a promised people whom God would choose to live with and live through for his glory and their good, and they would become sort of like a beacon of salvation for the whole world. Well, God comes through and Sarah gives birth to Isaac, who is the first living bud of hope for God's promise. But in our passage today, the God of promise seems to go flip mode on them as God calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him, as in kill and burn on an altar. The God who gave was about to take away. Not only Isaac, but the promise that Isaac represented to Abraham in the world. In his obedience to do it, in Abraham's faith, we see that God calls us to know his love and grace through loving and loosing in our earthly relationships. Now, we touched on this a bit last week, but but look how the relationship between these two, Abraham and and his son Isaac, is described here. In our Hebrews passage, in verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. At the end of this passage, this this verse, it describes Isaac as being his only son. Now, this is a big deal, primarily as we saw last week, because Isaac was the only one given by God who could have carried the promise. There was no one else beside him or after him. If he died, the whole thing dies. But it is also secondarily, it secondarily refers to something or someone God had given to Abraham. This was his son, Abraham's son as well. Isaac belonged to Abraham in father and son relationship, a relationship described in the same way in our passage in Genesis, verse 2. God says, take your son, your only son Isaac, and then it says this, the one whom you love. And then if we look at the inner workings of the relationship in verse 6 and verse 7 in our Genesis passage, it says this, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid, it, laid on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand and fire, in his hand the fire and, and the knife. So they went, both of them, 
together. Then it goes on to saying, Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire of the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Then he speaks back to his son. Abraham said, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. The faith that God is calling people to has a main ingredient to it. The call to love and live life with each other. What we see in the interchange and situation with Isaac and Abraham is God calling them to have their lives intertwined and connected and working together in each other's lives as they walk in the purposes and plans and even unseen situations of the Lord. They are walking the God-ordained pathways hand in hand in life in life. It is not a mistake that the Bible uses possesses when talking about father and son and that it goes on to use the word walking together, words walking together. This is saying that they belong to each other and to each other's story, that they don't walk or live or face life alone. God brought them and now brings you and me to live life together. And now you and I are called to love and, and, and live a faith that says when you go or need or are called here or there, I am called to be there according to the relationship God has put me, maybe as a father, maybe as a son, maybe as a husband, a mother, a friend, a plutonic or, or romantic friend, a next-door neighbor, regardless relationships are about your calling in the faith. Maybe like Abraham and Isaac, I am called to see and believe what you can't right now. Maybe I'm called to be able to call on you when I need you. I am talking about stuff like praying for each other and hearing the bad news and comforting and encouraging and just plain being an active participant in the place God has put you in other people's lives. To, as a possessive suggests, to be owned by and owning up to the relationships God has sovereignly brought into your life, to own what it means to be a father, to own what it means to be a wife, to own what it means to be a son or daughter or parent or teacher or mentor or member of a local church family. And so each relationship has different degrees of touch and go and commitment and time, but there is still a call to own and be owned by others in your life. My husband or my friend or my wife or my child or, 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 or my girl or my boys, right? And if you can say my, you and I should own those relationships again, weighted differently, but owned nevertheless. Owned. Mine. I'm yours. As they are like with Isaac to, to Abraham and Abraham to Isaac, as if they are gifts of faith given by God that should be cherished and cultivated and cared and invested in for intentionally and intentional and initiated care. But this is a call to do more than go through the motions, but to go with your emotions. 
When it uses the possessives of only son in our passages here, there is a call to invest, right? To us, to invest yourself in your faith relationships, especially how it is said in our Genesis passage. Look at verse 2 again in Genesis. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, whom you love. This love here, it's like a love for a father, for a son, an only son at that. He has some serious affection for Isaac, this word love means. This is not a business transaction for him to have a son to continue to promise kind of possession, even though last week we saw it as part of the big picture of God's promise. But this is a I put my heart out there and on them and for them kind of love. And it is the kind of wholehearted love I believe God calls on us to have for each other from the beginning to the end of Scripture. When I say we should possess and own our relationship, it would mean with the heart component as part of it that they become a part of who we are spiritually and emotionally, that in our relationships we will feel it deep down if something good or bad happens to them, that it would hurt us not to give them and stand with them and be with them in the ways God has called us and given them to us to do so. God is calling us to a real faith of loving here. Again, where you give your heart to your relationships. Your sense of worth is caught up in them in appropriate and right ways. And that takes faith. Because it means you can and will get hurt in a broken and deceptive world of sinful people, of scarred histories of love gone wrong, of which you and other people are a part of. But God has the audacity to call us to be faithful, to be friends. So for some of you to be married and some of you to be siblings and some of you to be parents where you get wrapped up in them and their purposely for God and in this world with your heart to be enmeshed in a good way with each other even though you know you are both sinners in a broken and fallen world. But I know faith in this area is more often than not fails. And we back off for being a real friend to just be virtual friends online for many of us. Or back away from any sort of commitment to meet or be friends or start to like or love or put expectations on or from them. It's sad to say some of our marriages are business transactions now. It's just cheaper to keep her, right? It's less mess, right, to just stay together and live together and just keep the contract alive. Broken world. Because like Abraham found out and knew all the way up that mountain. Here's the hard part, y'all. 
someone's going to die or be taken away or have to or choose to take a different route. And we will find that one place of disagreement, many of us, that will change or kill the relationship and break our hearts. So we are numb and relationship haters. Cynical. We are scared to invest or even be loved ourselves or or, or scared of the relationship, waiting for the other shoe to drop. It is coming, the death of the relationship, and it's working. Someone has a knife behind your back, just like Abraham had behind Isaac, and will soon stab you with it or burn you somehow, right? Yet God calls us to have the faith to love. What you doing to me, God? Don't you know every relationship has someone who has a knife and fire behind your back, and that's what the trust of a relationship is all about? The freedom, right? The faith to walk in front of somebody who can stab you because you love them, right? You trust them. There is only freedom in the faith to love as broken people in a broken world when we have faith to loose the relationship to the Lord. Let's look at the Hebrews passage again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall, be your, offspring, shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And then again, let's look at verse 2 in our Genesis passage. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac. Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And then drop down to verse 6. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took his hand, the fire, his, in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? For a burnt offering. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. And then, keep going here, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham, think what this must have been, y'all, like, y'all. It wasn't already ready for him. I don't know how long it takes to build an altar of wood. I don't know. But I'm sure he had plenty of time to change his mind. Or say, oh, can't find the right size wood. Sorry. This don't look right. There's too much, you know, bad ground or something. It it just won't work. So much time, right? It says here, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order. That means he laid it so it would burn. (laughs) Real good. And bowed. Why did he bind him? Because when the fire starts, right, Abraham's eyes is going to jump out, right? Bound him and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. 
Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Well, I got that a little wrong there. He's probably going to be dead before the fire started, but still. When that knife hit him or came down, he, he was going to move. I would. Let's go ahead and blow up this faith for relationships thing, okay? All relationships will come to the top of the proverbial hill, <laughs> just like Abraham and Isaac went. Where sin and justice and misunderstanding and sacrifice and loss and God's ultimate hidden desire will come to a head. Just like with Abraham and Isaac, every relationship will face loss. I came to church to hear some good stuff. Not true stuff, only. Every relationship will face loss. A loss of the situation or circumstance that made you friends. Maybe possibly being in the same part of town changes or church or city. The loss of being in the same stage of life. Someone gets married or has children. The loss of priority because of work or calling somewhere else in their lives. The loss of connection and reasoning between you and your child or, or you and your parent. The loss of trust and friendships for one reason or another. The loss of trust and communication in some of our marriages because of some sin. The loss or absence of sexual desire in marriage. The loss of romance or emotional connection in a dating or marriage relationship, the loss of a marriage period to divorce or separation or romantic relationship because it just didn't work out, the loss of the person to death or a life-changing illness, the loss of the category or agreement between y'all, right? The loss of time, lots of loss, and that's just a few of them. That almost everybody in this room has experienced. I'm talking about the loss of in and to the relationships. Hear this now. That God has given you and me. It may have called good and called us to give our effort and heart to. God calls us in our relationships and this world to not only love but have faith to loose those broken relationships to his discretion and his grace. So the Bible tells us that Abraham doesn't lose the relationship with his son Isaac to God and his providence, but he has to lose the relationship to God's discretion. Look at the first verse in our Hebrews passage one more time. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, what does it say? Offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Okay, it says that Isaac wasn't taken away from him, but that he offered him up to God. And then if we look at the other verse, it's just the same thing. He built an offer. He, I mean, built an altar. He offered his son. He took him up there. He said, let's go, son. Let me walk with you. Let me lead you. Let us go together. 
which tells me Abraham obviously already had given the relationship he had with Isaac over to God's discretion before the call to sacrifice. So yes, he owned the relationship he had with Isaac as the only son he loves, but he also knew that the relationship he had with Isaac and Isaac himself was ultimately God's call. He didn't close the fist of a relationship around Isaac so tightly or, or, or in such a way, though committed and emotionally enmeshed, that God could not have his way, right? That, that didn't seem right or fair from a human standpoint at that time and place. When I read this story, it just hit me, right? This is, this is five, 6,000 years ago. I mean, this was a long time ago before we kind of understood Christianity and, and, and love and, and who God is and, and, and understood mercy and grace in and, and systematic theological ways. Abraham just met God, right? Like, he doesn't know him that well. He doesn't quite understand how God works yet. So guess what he's thinking? He's not like us thinking, man, it's wrong for me to kill my son. No, he just met God. Maybe God was like the other gods who demanded a child sacrifice. He may not know yet. That's hard for us to hear because we come from it from the other side. He doesn't know that God is merciful and doesn't call for child sacrifices, right? Not this kind anyway. So he holds on to his relationship with God stronger than he holds on to his relationship with his son. Or in a different way. He trusted God for his relationship greater than the good and reason he could see in it. That gorilla thing with the kid? I even got this written. I don't know if I should go down this road. Her parents are like, hey, that, that mama, she need to go. She, she should get prosecuted. She should get tried for the death of, of, of the gorilla. And he, the gorilla would have been alive today if, if she had been looking. For a three-year-old who moves like 60 miles per hour when you're not looking, right? For those who've had toddlers, man, you can be looking at them. And they run. And they're already 100 yards down the field. Oh, what in the world? Good, sometimes good thing there's somebody else around. Well, got him. Thank you, sir. He's about to run in front of the Mack truck, right? Ain't to be anything. And some, some psychologists would say that this is something parents go through, right? Like, like, like to justify themselves as being better parents than the one who looked like they made a mistake. So they create a mistake that is a normal happening so they can feel better about themselves, right? We, we, we always have to have control over all our relationships, right? We have to see it from every angle. And the real thing is God is saying, you can't. And Abraham sees Isaac, his only son, and he loves him. And he probably was a good boy. He carried the wood up there to burn himself, right? He's a good kid. You can't always see why and how your relationship should work. Because you're human, and you're broken, 
And yet we hold on to our relationships in a way only God can or should. We too are called by God to give, we are called by faith to give God discretional sway in the relationships he's given us. And let me give you the easy part of it. Right? This is the easy, non-gospel part of it, okay? It is the gospel. I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. Here's the easy, if you just want a work-centered way to get ahead, but it's important that we hear obediently what God's saying, right? Here's the easy part, though not easy, is that God puts holy demands and parameters on relationships, right? That certain friendships shouldn't cross lines. Sleeping with someone who's just your friend, no matter how much you may love them or how good it feels, is not under your discretion, you must sacrifice those desires to God. He owns the relationship. You have to lose it. Same thing with the marriage relationship as far as adultery is concerned, emotionally and physically. And then kids should obey and respect parents. And parents must not exasperate and act like jerks with their children. And you should not gossip and friendships or backstab and burn each other and all that stuff. Those relationships are under God's discretion. And in the Bible, his word, he has put parameters and goals for those. And we are called to sacrifice our desires in and for those relationships that are different than God's and sacrifice them, to give them over, to loose them to God's altar of correction and rebuke and confrontation and leaving them if need be and not leaving them when we want to and to say no or yes or wait or not right now. It is faith to obey God, to loose those relationships to a sacrifice of obedience to God's word for them. to lose the way the relationship's been going because it isn't godly. <sighs> Giving God discretion in this way declares what God wanted to know and test what was in Abraham, that there is no one and nothing and no relationship more important to us and our desires and more important to the life of our relationships than the Lord and what he desires from them. That's the easier discretionary loosing to God. But the hard ones, where you can't say your fault or my fault, <laughs> or because we disobeyed or obeyed, or because you weren't a good parent or a very good parent, right? The ways God's providentially allow sin or circumstance or on the holy end, his blind purposes to tear into our relationships and thus our hearts. We've experienced it, right? He calls people away to different places. He calls someone to serve him in a different way. He doesn't let us overcome the trust issue that changed the intensity and flexibility to the relation we had as friends or siblings or parents or whatever. We will be scarred and somehow in the middle of that relationship, blunder or breakup or burden, you just can't connect or whatever. And that brings or threatens to bring to death or redefine the relationship for you. Somehow, all of that is in the will and plan and purpose in providence of God. When we look at the story, Abraham and Isaac didn't do anything wrong. 
though they were both sinners. But when you look at the equation from a human standpoint, y'all, they did nothing to get God to hate on them like this in their relationship. But there they were, father about to sacrifice son under God's discretion, and it was right, but felt it seemed so wrong to turn his son over to God's call and law and authority. And on top of that, how mean can God be? Years of waiting and raising and feeding and investing in Isaac. And all of that to let it end this way. We're struggling with our relationship with God and them because we don't like or trust the way he wants to correct or rebuke or fix them because we are angry at how God or God has allowed life and circumstances of sin run roughshod over the way we wanted the relationship go. You know, sometimes we turn on the relationship or that relationship in a way we shouldn't because deep down, trust me, I know we are holding them tight against God in a way we shouldn't because it'll hurt, y'all. We'll be lonely again. It'll be years again before we find another friend or another boyfriend or another this or another that. We'll have to admit defeat. It is better and easier to pretend. It'll be the end of me, right? I don't know how I'll make it without them. I don't know how they'll respond if I tell them God said this or that, and this is the way I have to treat or, or, or lead or leave this relationship because of his call on it. And God is calling us to loose it, to open up our hands and grip on the relationships we are called to own to his discretion, y'all. Sometimes like this story, I believe God is calling us to carry even and bring a relationship just so he can deal with us or them. Maybe we didn't realize it, but we were actually called by God to love carry them, right? To have God take them away and God to deal with and handle them in a way that we couldn't. We were just a mule friend, right? For, for part of the journey to give them to God and someone else. Our kids, man, we're just carrying them in love and commitment as parents to a place where we have to let God deal them sometimes a holy blow or possibly and hopefully blow holiness in them. And that's hard. I want to protect my boys from God sometimes it feels. Because God's not playing, and somewhere deep, I think I love them and can have more mercy and grace for them than the Lord. I've told y'all this before. The worst thing my mom could ever say to us was, Howard, I'm tired of talking. All the spank beatings, not spankings, beatings been done. All the punishments have been handed out. You're in God's hands. Here's the keys. Go where you want. I wouldn't go.
the faith to lose there. But in the faith to lose, there's good news because we lose them to God's grace. Look at verse, look at the Hebrews passage. We look at the Hebrews passage. And then look at what Abraham says in verse 5 of the Genesis passage. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. Then Genesis passage, it looks like he said to the servants that walked up with them, and then to his son in verse 6, right? And, and Abraham took the wood of, of the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac, and we've been to this, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them together, and Isaac said to his father, my father, and he said, here I am, my son, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? Abraham said this, God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And this is what happened. When they came to the place in which God had told him, Abraham built the altar. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket of its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said today on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withhold your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the, the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Do you see this? God takes this loose to his discretion relationship, and he gives it grace and power Abraham could not give it. In two ways. First, God returns Isaac in relationship to Abraham with new and renewed assurances that God will preserve the relationship. That because Abraham was obedient to give Isaac over to God's discretion, that God strengthened the relationship between he and Isaac. Abraham knew that he would never lose Isaac again, that the relationship by the act of God's discipline and correction and faith step made Abraham and Isaac's faith and relationship with God stronger as it made the relationship with them stronger. When we loose our relationships to God in recognition that like Abraham, we're going to worship the Lord with and in this relationship, even if it means leaving or breaking up or going to the embarrassing, I need help, I need counseling, or continue through hardship onward according to his word that God will show up and bring a new hope and perspective to it that you and I don't see, but is in the bush. That God will, as Hebrew says, resurrect relationships to a new and higher faith to do more for generations even. And as, as far as this is concerned, even into eternity, get this, even if the relationship has to die or be lost to you first. 
like this story. Oh, but this is hard to hear. I've seen it. In enough years of being pastor here at Christ Central, that God has had to take many relationships to the grave for his power and grace would possibly resurrect them to new and renewed life. There are testimonies in this church, Lord, of the church, church, of separation and divorce and breakups and friendships gone wrong. And people say, there just ain't nothing there but the rings. My kid is just lost to me. Periods of estrangement. That God either, hear me now, hear me carefully, either brought full circle to a renewed or new, renewed relationship, redeemed and straight and fixed, but sometimes onward, pass out of that relationship into a new one where people can move on and trust God and grow in grace. But he has to have it. In his grace. If it's not clear, God stopped Abraham from killing Isaac because God provided another relationship in its place. The relationship between God the Father and his son, Jesus. That God took his only begotten son, whom he loved, the Bible says, and crucified him on a cross that broke the relationship between him and his father as he became a rejected sinner before his holy father. And then he was buried. And on the third day, that relationship was so committed, so living, so perfect, so loving, that for the love between them and God, for us, Jesus rose from the grave and returned to his father. And in that power and grace and love, guess what, y'all? All relationships can have that power and grace and gift and faith and love of God's resurrection power. One of the most heart-touching moments, I did a wedding a couple weeks ago, so it's fresh. One of the most heart-touching moments at a wedding is when the father or person important to the bride hands her over to the groom. Seen many a daddy cry. Not because he's losing, but because he's loosing the one he loves to one who by faith is agreeing to love her well. We're like the father of bride to some degree in our relationships, all of them. Whether a friend, a spouse, a child, a parent, We are giving our relationship and the one we have committed to love into the hands of Jesus who will love them better and best. But we don't go to our seats empty-handed in the exchange because I believe we are not strong enough to actually love and loose that perfectly and easily even to God. In the process of growing in faith to love and loose, here is what happens. When we love and loosen our relationship, 
God, by his grace, grips and loves us with his in Christ. Some of us are drowning, trying to save our relationships and hurting and hanging on or wrongly letting go in fear. So good news. God has provided. God sent Jesus because we can and will only rightly love and loose these relationships with God's grace when we feel and know the grip of God's loving relationship on our lives and heart through Christ. If you're here today and you can't feel the grip of God's grace, it's time to call on Christ. If you're holding on too tight over here, to loose it to him. He's not expecting you to do it until you know the love he has for you and for that person. And it's found in Christ. It's the faith to love and loose. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. This room is filled with irregular and hard and no one really understands what I'm going through kind of relationships that have come to the top of the hill. And Lord, as I see them, especially those who are your people, I know with a shadow of a doubt by your grace, you're on top of that hill where there's a combination of you, their misunderstanding, sacrifice, death, sin, and suffering. In the confusion, Lord, I pray for your people that they would be able to see the ram in the bush, that they would be able to see that God will provide that what they can't, he will provide. Give new hope. Bring resurrection power to some of these relationships. Help us to love as we should and loose as we should because you have loved and gripped us as a God who would because you're gracious and loving. Please, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.